0: welcome back to another episode of kicking it with coach red where we bring you all the news, stories takes and opinions about your favorite teams from the pacific north fresh from the good to the bad to the mariners sweet sweet mariners killing it already we've got a new co-host in today uh called him up from the practice squad he's in his time he's a uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller to the podcast, but before we get into our breakdown of the Clash of the Birds, Hawks versus Eagles, why don't I tell you a little bit about us? If you're looking for a guy that is kind of like a new-age John Travolta. Not Saturday night fever. After this week, I had the Monday night fever. And that's me, your boy, Coach Red. You can find me on Twitter at The Real Coach Red, on Instagram at The Real underscore Coach Red, also TikTok at The Real Coach Red. Also, find the show over on YouTube. Search Kicking It With Coach Red. Like, subscribe, hit the bell notifications, leave a comment or two. And while you're at it, check out the show page on Twitter and Insta at Coach Red Pod. If you're looking for a guy who is a semi-amateur professional writer and (laughs) prospective podcast host himself, you're looking for a guy like Scott, a.k.a. Scott the Thought, a.k.a. Scottage Cheese.
1: I vote for Scottage Cheese for a moniker. That's better. That's an insult I've been hearing since I was a little boy. So anyways... Thanks for inviting me to the show. I'm kind of, the game got me jacked, just like it did for you. It was really fun to watch. Um, After that first drive, when the Eagles just shoved the ball down our throats and scored a touchdown, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be like going against the Cowboys and twice against the 49ers. What's wrong with this team? And also on defense, you know, I'm like, "God mighty, we've invested so much uh, draft stock in the defense and then also got some players why are we ranked number 27 and that's just something we'll talk about that on your breakdown but obviously the game didn't go that way uh the seahawks held their own they rallied and the fourth quarter uh man that's the seahawks of the you know legion of boom or going back to those super bowl years when they could just at the very end, whether it's Cam Chancellor, you know, intercepting Cam Newton and just running it, what, 96 yards for a to touchdown. The house. I was at to that the game. Yeah. Oh, you were. Okay. Well, the last Seahawks game I was at was the butt fumble with uh, <laughs> the Jets. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, that that poor guy, Sanchez. What, what a thing to be remembered for as your
0: NFL oh, He's getting paid by Fox now
1: yeah but you know people are gonna be every time he walks by they're gonna take a, a football and bounce it off their ass just
0: to stick i it wish they him. would i wish they would <laughs>
1: so well, uh well why don't you give me your take and then i'll we can go back and forth a little bit and you know see if we are we have consensus or if we're gonna get into some sort of east coast argument that is out of control so yeah
0: so uh in score of this one uh 20 to 17 in favor of the Seahawks. Uh like you said the Philly jumped out early, gets ahead 10 nothing. Seahawks get a field goal before half. Uh get really rolling in the second half, score 17 points over the course of the last two quarters, 10 in the fourth which was big to see. Um mm-hmm. uh, Drew Locke ends up coming up clutch, especially in the last drive, finishes the day 22 of 33 with 208 yards, one touchdown, took two sacks, but I think the biggest stat was no interceptions on the board, which which proved to be costly and advantageous for the Seahawks not committing any turnovers.
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the knock on Locke, you know, he's got all the arm strength and he's athletic, but – he can make some rash decisions and, uh, you know, turn the ball over, but yeah, he was solid and he was ready. It was nice to see Gino supporting
0: him too, because, you know, oh, locked in. Yeah. It, it was, he was great. legitimately locked in.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, that was, that was, uh, it was a fun game to watch. And, uh, you know, like so many Seahawks games, you're just chewing your fingernails through the whole thing, except yeah. for the Cowboys and the 49ers they, there's no point in shooting fingernails. In well, those
0: games. The, the, the Cowboys game was awfully close till the end there too. It's just an offensive shootout. Yeah. The one thing I really liked to see was a healthy Kenneth Walker in this game yep. comes back, gets the lion, share carries, finishes the day, 19 carries, 86 yards and a long touchdown run where might as well call him Drew block. Cause he was out there. That was cool. In that last one at the goal line. And even though Zach Charbonnet, did not get as many totes in this one, four carries for 16 yards. What I like to see, I've been asking for it for weeks, is you just run him behind guard, center, guard. Mm-hmm. They ran it back-to-back plays, and they got 11 yards in two plays. It, it's his – you've got Kenneth Walker that can be your outside stretch home run hitter. Mm-hmm. You need that guy that can just go right up the middle against a defensive line that is pretty stout with – Carter. And with the guy they drafted last year, they've got the two interior D linemen, both from Georgia, who were both first round picks, right? Like, that's pretty stout in the middle. And with what Kenneth Walker was able to do, finding some holes run a little bit more power game in this one with him. Mm-hmm. I think it was a big key to their success. And, you know, eclipsing a hundred yards as a unit. Well, we've talked about
1: it too. You know, in the past, we, we had, when we had Marshawn Lynch in his prime, he he would get very few yards in the first half but what he was doing was softening up the defensive line and the linebackers for the second half so he may have 20 yards in the first half but in the second half he can go off for 95 yards because the guys are so tired that they just can't take the hits anymore and i saw that with walker too because you know at the beginning yeah he was getting stuffed at the line but Man, you know, having that guy slam into you for two quarters, you're not as eager to do that in the third or the end of the fourth quarter. So um, that's the thing about running backs is it's you got to see how they churn and grind against that that defensive front, and once they start getting success, um, then they start blasting seven, eight yard runs and beyond. So oh, I was exciting to see him, and Charbonnet. I, you know, maybe he's the Robert Turbin, a different style. You know, it's not built like Robert Turbin. But when we had Lynch and Robert Turbin as a, as a duo, that was
0: uh, a solid yeah. one-two punch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish Turbin's uh, career worked out better for him. But, uh, you know, football's tough. I mean, what is it? Average career, three, four years?
0: Three to four years.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Um, you get to the wide receivers. DK Metcalf leads with catches and yards, five catches, 78 yards. And three of those catches came on the final drive for, I think, 52 yards. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, four catches, 48 yards in the game-winning touchdown. Kenneth Walker clocks in with three catches for 26. And Tyler Lockett, three catches for 29 yards on nine targets. And granted, some of those targets were a hair off, but – it seems especially with Locke, he doesn't have the same rapport built with Lockett as Gino and Russ before. And Oro, the linebacker tips the ball where Lockett's wide open. And if Locke throws it a half second sooner, it's a 15 yard gain, but it gets tipped. You got to know with Lockett majority of the time, if he's as soon as he gets out of a break, his head whips around and his hands are ready and, I don't know if this is an indoctrination on Locke and his timing a little bit, or if it's a little bit more of Tyler Lockett, potentially slowing down a hair, getting a little bit later in his career. So stuff to say, because he's had a few more drops than he has in the years past, but it's, it's been a little rockier of a road with the quarterback journey this year.
1: Well, I can also see, you know, when, when we had Baldwin and then we, Drafted Lockett, when Baldwin was kind of slowing down, Lockett took over that role, what Baldwin's role was. And I think the hope is Jackson, you know, Smith and the Jigma can do the same thing when Lockett wants to um cash in his chips. I saw him interviewed. You know, he's a very smart man. He's got a lot of businesses, real estate, and in, in Seattle and in other parts of the country. He's an entrepreneur. Um, and he was asked if he wanted to play until he's 40 and he's like, no, no way. Yeah. But one thing that Lockett does better than I've seen other receivers do, he knows how to protect his body after the catch. Huge. Uh, I mean, you know, Metcalf gets the ball and he's going to spin around and try to mow over a defensive.
0: It inflict in. pain.
1: Yes. That's, but Lockett's like, no, nope, I just got the first down and he kind of goes down. He's not going for that extra yard or two. Well, that's smart. You know, he gets the first down. He he doesn't have to hit a home run. Maybe like Ichiro, right? And the Mariners kind of dinking the ball around. Dinking and diamond. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, I could see Lockett hanging it up at some point. And, you know, as long as he's got his health and his businesses, more power to him.
0: And the crazy thing about this is, as this game got later, I sat there and, I felt like the offense was doing a pretty competent job, but before the last drive, they were only sitting at just over 200 yards. So they go 92 yards and about a buck 28, leave a little bit of time left. And the amazing catches abounded during that time. Oh. You had DK catching one off the hip, Locke putting one in double coverage that I didn't think that DK was coming down with. And then the ball to JSN in the end zone, it was where only he could catch it. And it was a full extension and a great play on the ball by JSN. And it was just a complete drive. And the big thing was, is you saw the emotion pour out of drew lock. It's been a long time, you know, three years since he's won an NFL football game as a starting quarterback. He relished his time to, to do this. And, you can tell that there's a lot of camaraderie in that quarterback room. Gino was hyping him up. I think that Locke wouldn't have come back this year if he didn't feel the same way about Gino. So you can really see that they're two brothers in arms who have both been backup quarterbacks now Mm -hmm. that are just relishing any way, anything that they can do to help the team win is what they're going to do.
1: Can I ask you a question on Locke Because you're more familiar with statistics and dates and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, he he's with Denver. He's been with the Seattle Seahawks, same offensive quarter coordinator for two years straight. Has he ever had that in his career before?
0: Not while he was in Denver, his first three years in Denver, uh, three different offensive coordinators. Right. So,
1: you know, hopefully he's, he's comfortable with the system. And, you know, I mean, I, it's kind of nice. I don't think, well, obviously neither Lockner or Smith are like, top five quarterbacks in the league but they're both above average probably and that's nice because you know if Mahomes gets knocked out and you know tears his hamstring or something like that and's out of the game who's coming after him
0: I know last year it was Chad Henney but I don't know if he's still back and Chad Henney's a little uh long for the league been there forever and What I think that this really parlays into, I think you've got confidence in Locke with Geno Smith and the contract he signed. I don't think that he's done enough to show the Seahawks throughout the course of this year, kind of with the ups and downs that you've seen with Geno, a little bit more turnovers to commit to those next two years in that contract. I can really see the Seahawks going after a quarterback in this year's draft and having bringing Locke back as that bridge quarterback because he knows the system. He's going to work with the quarterback room and he's going to relish in his chance to start.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you expect you use a first round pick to get a quarterback? You want Penix? You want Knicks? Who do you want?
0: Uh, so it's, for me, it's a little too early. I got to see how the season ends and how it shakes out and kind of where these guys are projected. I looked at some stuff earlier this week where there's like three or four quarterbacks that they think will go in the first round, um, that have first round grades. And then you've got the likes of Nick's and Penix who aren't rated as first round guys, but will probably be scooped up in the first round just because you've seen the ups and downs across the league this year with quarterback play, even with established starters. So I think that having more quality quarterbacks on your team is a good problem to have in today's NFL, because you only have a handful of guys that are in that upper tier and Some of those guys are playing down a little bit this year, playing a little bit too much hero ball. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is one of them. He's got the most turnovers that he's had in his, you know, short career, but he's turning the ball over at a much higher clip than he has the last two years as a starter. Yeah, do you want to talk
1: about him a little now or or later in the cast?
0: I want to talk about the defense real quick. And usually I do some stats for the whole defense, but I wanted to highlight just the secondary in this one because I thought they played a tremendous game. Um, And when you look at it, it wasn't the same cast of characters. You had uh, Spoon and Jamal Adams, both nursing injuries and not able to play. Tariq Woolen, or sorry, Reek Woolen uh, loses a competition battle in the week to Mike Jackson to earn the starting spot and get a majority of the reps. But for the defensive backs that recorded stats, you had Julian Love with nine tackles and two picks, Mm -hmm. recently named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Quandre Diggs clocks in with seven tackles. Trey Brown, six tackles. Artie Burns, five tackles, one pass breakup, and a tackle for loss. And then you throw in Mike Jackson, four tackles, one tackle for loss, and two pass breakups. With Jalen Hurts coming into the game with an illness, and their running game is really what drove this team throughout the course of this game, the secondary played probably their best game of the year against a team that has Devonta, Smith, and A.J. Brown who are both top flight wide receivers and both have Cs on their chest. So you know that they're important to this team. Yeah. And to be able to go out and stymie the Phillies to only three hundred and twenty one yards of total offense is a big is a big thing, especially when you couldn't get Jalen Hurts down in the backfield, being able to come up on some of those screens to get some tackles for losses and really limit the big playability of both Smith and Brown, I think was a big key to the Seahawks coming out on top.
1: Well, I was shocked because, you know, when I saw the defense was not going to have Adams or Witherspoon, who I understand has got a hip pointer. Yep. Uh, and, you know, Pete's hoping to get him back this year. He's been a very exciting Uh, rookie player everybody thought we would pick Carter the defensive line that the Eagles got but we went with Witherspoon and you and I were kind of scratching our head a little bit but boy it makes a lot of sense now that's why you and I are not NFL coaches or you know front office people
0: Um, I just love the tenacity of spoon though coming out but I just didn't think the Seahawks had the how what's the best way to say this the balls to draft a cornerback at five
1: yeah well, I, I hope he has a long and successful career for us. You know, we were spoiled for so many years with the Legion of Boom, you know, and uh, Cam Chancellor and, you know, Richard Sherman and or Byron Max. Yeah, all of them. I mean, that was those. So I see what they're doing. I don't know what Adam's problems are. You know, everybody's secretive and, and maybe we don't need to know everything that he's going through. But when I watched him in that Cowboys game, he wasn't his self. He was a lot of arm tackles, people running past him um, And we gave up what a first round pick and some other picks did we two first rounders, two first rounders to have him. And uh, that first season he was with us. How many sacks did he have? as Nine a corner? And a half. as a corner which is a record in the NFL. I love it when he's healthy and he's playing. He he is just He brings the juice. He does and he's exciting and and he's such a unique body type for that position and he's got such a unique skill set. I just don't know what's going through his head. I mean, he was he's a healthy scratch. He's supposed to be a a, a team leader and he doesn't even come to the game.
0: Yeah, Pete talked about it a little bit in an interview. I'm not sure if it was yesterday or today, but I checked it out. And he said, you know, with Jamal, the injuries have really piled up because he's a tenacious player and he plays at full speed. Came back from the quad. He's had some knee issues. Yeah. And they've they've come and said that his knees are the problem. So they're trying to get him through the whole season. So there are some times where – they said it was a healthy scratch, but in hearing what Pete said, cause he was on the injury report all week, you know, Hey, we have to load manage him. We have to get him to that end point. He is an important part of this team. And I think that it was one of those where he's like, I don't want to tell the guy that he's not playing cause he's trying to fight through it, but you're not playing this week. You don't give us the best opportunity cause you're not out there at a hundred percent. And it, it stings, especially when you gave up that capital and then signed him to that extension to not see the same production you got near one and injuries are a bitch in the yeah. NFL. They really are, but it's how you can come back and play through them. And, you know, you look at this year, you haven't seen a sack since that nine and a half sack season. You've seen him banged up consistently. But if you see him ball out over the last three games and into the playoffs, pe- people have short memories in the NFL. I remember when Josh Dobbs was the savior of the Cardinals and the Vikings this year. And th- those, those takes aren't so hot anymore.
1: Yeah, he might get a job at the CFL at this
0: point. Um, <laughs> Scott, I do have a question for you. Uh oh. Who is your player of the game? Okay.
1: Funny you should ask, because I the the natural one that came to me. I've got I've got notes on this. I've done some research. I've meditated. I've uh, prayed to the gods and sacrificed animals. But so my first thought was love, because of the the two interceptions and really icing the game. And he he was a great player we got from the Giants, and I think he fits really well into our system, and I'm excited to see him progress. But I don't want to pick him. My second,
0: yeah,
1: my second choice was DK Metcalf. Um, Those two catches—that one that he caught with his butt cheeks—was pretty remarkable. I've never. You talked
0: about the butt fumble. What about the ass catch?
1: (laughs) That's probably yes. (laughs) DK's ass catch. Um, What I liked most about his performance is he didn't get a 15-yard penalty for punching somebody in the face. That was good. But I have somebody else. And I'm going to go with Jackson Smith McJigba, and, and the reason I'm going to do that, the Seahawks for so many years have been trying to find that third receiver. I think in the Super Bowl, we had what Baldwin, Tate, and uh, Jermaine Curse. Yeah, he, like you say, he's good for two major plays a game. and But he, he was a fun player, also being a Tacoma guy and a UW guy. But those three guys, it, you couldn't you couldn't let any of them go unchallenged. And I think what Nujigba does is he kind of gives us that. I also saw he's got a stat that from this game, which is, let's see if I can find it here. Um, oh, actually, before it, well, I had another one I was going to suggest, which was our uh, practice player, Joey Hunt, who apparently, you know, T-Rex arms, <laughs> I remember when he was on getting tossed around like a used tissue by Aaron Donald, kind of a fun player, a brainiac. But AJ Brown goes on the sidelines and apparently uh, uh, T T Rex arms uh, threw a, a shoulder into him and started yeah. a scuffle. And
0: then he's like putting up those arms like he's a mime in a box. <laughs> I can't get out. I can't get out. I can't. I want to. I want. I wanted to throw hands on you, but I the shoulder was closer.
1: I wonder if he'll be a player's coach or something for us someday. But going back to Najigba, the, the thing that I've really found impressive about him is he hasn't he's done something in the NFL which hasn't been done since 1960. He in one season has made the game-winning catch at the end of the fourth quarter twice. It's it's been it's been almost 60 years since that's been done. And, of course, 60 years ago is a completely different game. So yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about his future. You know, forty what, 48, 49 yards doesn't sound like a lot. But if it's a clutch catch, which he had just an amazing catch in the end zone, I was just really happy for that young man. And I, I hope he has a long future with us.
0: And, yeah, it was much in the clutch for sure. And he's only 21 years old. He didn't play last year due to injury at Ohio state, but when he was there with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, he was the top wide receiver on that squad. And you're starting to see them integrate him more, not just in the quick screen game, but getting the ball downfield. And I think from him getting the ball up the seam, down the field, on the outside, running these deeper running routes, it's made him more effective in the screen game. He ran a screen in this game, and instead of getting two, three yards, it got eight. Mm -hmm. So his ability and the Seahawks showing that they're willing to go deep with him is something that's opening up other facets to what was not working super well for them at the beginning of the year.
1: And we also have some receivers on the bench that, them doing special teams what young he's been on the special team bobo 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 the blocker yeah i mean well you know the blocker is drew block drew block big big cock lock aka
0: horse cock lock aka drew block
1: (laughs) just running ahead and helping create that touchdown and sacrificing his body that's what for a quarterback to do that um i don't think you see too many quarterbacks doing that but so that's that's my pick. Um, I think there's a number of stars. I wasn't, you know, especially after that first touchdown, and just holding them to ten points after that, I was not expecting that at all. So, who knows? Seven and seven. They they've shed flashes of brilliance, and and then they've been housed.
0: It's a wild team. For my player of the game. I'm, I'm going to give it to Julian Love, but I want to talk about another player as well. But I want to talk a little bit about Julian Love. The dude was playing a phenomenal high safety role in this game. Mm-hmm. He really – it kind of with Jamal being out, they played Quandre in the box a little bit more. That's why um, you saw Quandre coming downhill. But on his first interception, he gets a little tug on the jersey – ever so slightly, but the way that he moved and contorted his body and put himself between the wide receiver and the ball to set it up for that interception in the end zone was great. And if you look at the video of the game ceiling interception, there's a little bit of video that shows his foot not necessarily touching the ground with the toe tap, but to see where he came from to make that play was wild. And Sirianni said they were looking for P.I. Trey Brown – wins the Brown versus Brown battle, AJ Brown versus Trey Brown, because he's in perfect position. He does not play through him. AJ Brown can't get back and play through Trey Brown to try and get the flag. And Trey Brown comes up with the assist on kind of knocking the leg. So Julian Love can get that phantom foot in bounds to seal the game.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But I know he's NFC defensive player of the week, but I got to, Throw a lot of love to Quandre Diggs in this game. Quandre Diggs for the last couple weeks has been kind of bouncing off defenders, and it was early and often in this game that his presence was felt. He was coming in, laying the hammer, and for this whole secondary, which is kind of why I wanted to highlight them in my stats, there were very minimal missed tackles, and I think that was a point of contention this week with Pete and the players. It's compete and tackle, turn the ball over. They competed, they sure shit tackled, and they won the turnover battle. So this is a Pete Carroll special type of game. But with Quandre Diggs, it was really good to see him really – it was kind of like a get-right game. You saw him hyped up in the first, second quarter, and I think it really bled into the rest of the secondary because he's one of the elder statesmen. He's got the C on his chest for a reason. This team and this defense really respects him, and I think that – him getting hyped up early really helped this defense as a whole throughout the game.
1: So we talked a little, I'm going to ask you some questions if that's
0: okay. Yeah. We'll just go to coach red's corner.
1: Okay. Let's do it. I want to be in Coach red's corner. Um, figuratively, not literally. Um, I, you know, the the whole thing about bringing hurts, you know, flying him in a separate plane, he's ill. Um, he's gonna play this game he's hydrate they're hydrating him i was kind of uh expecting him to get frog splashed by someone like jaron like reed and him losing his bowels control of his bowels
0: um in the white unis
1: that would have been funny but his passer rating was 40.1 you know and and even though he was, and that's even though he was the Eagles' top rusher in the game. Um, he threw two critical picks in the fourth. Um, and he was 17 for 31, but only 143 yards in passing. I don't know why the Eagles let him go in there. I mean, it, it's, it, he, he, I mean, we were lucky he was that sick. Oh, the other thing we were lucky about is the Eagles didn't bring their security chief with them.
0: True. Yeah. So. Uh, he was there. He just wasn't allowed on the sidelines.
1: Oh, okay. Well, w- well, what the hell good is a security chief if you're not on the sidelines? <laughs> Whatever.
0: They'll get into fights on the sidelines.
1: <laughs> yeah, but so that's one question. Why did they start Hurts if he was in that bad of shape? Why not just give him the week off? You know, the Seahawks would be a soft team. But they got Mariota behind Hertz, is that it? Yep. Well, I mean, if Mariota's healthy, he could be a pretty decent player.
0: I think with Hertz, the thing that really surprised me was the first play was a design quarterback run, and he goes for twelve yards and I go, Okay, we're in for a long day. Yeah. I think that the running ability wasn't affected by the illness, but I think with the Eagles right now, they're they're in a two game slide. So they needed to win this game. To It's three now right? with this loss. I think they're really looking at this. Jalen Hurts, even, even 80% of Jalen Hurts gives us a better opportunity to win than Marcus Mariota. And Mariota had his up and down games when he was playing for the Falcons last year. We are well aware as he came into town and won with the Falcons last year. But with the running ability and the – brute strength that you have with the lower half of Jalen hurts. I think really accelerated that um, running game, but you could see he wasn't as sharp when he was, when he was throwing the ball around, he just wasn't keyed in on that aspect because the rushing game was hands down the better unit. I think they had 178 yards rushing. Mm -hmm. So And he's a key factor in that. And Marcus Mariota, for how good he's been as a rusher throughout his career in college and the NFL, he's a little bit older and coming off of a knee injury. And I think that they looked at that and thought, with with how much we like to run the ball and incorporate a quarterback run game, trying to do this even with a little bit longer week. And I think the problem is, if Jalen Hurts would have been – a little bit more sick earlier in the week they would have been more open to it but he was progressing through it and took a turn for the worst so trying to game plan that late to make the change it kind of would have been reminiscent of what you saw with drew lock the week before against the niners geno smith is preparing to be the starter he gets an oblique strain on thursday you're playing on sunday drew lock gets a walkthrough and here we go it would have been the same thing for marcus Mariota. you're preparing for Hertz to be the starter you gotta roll with him if he can't, if he says he can go, he's a tough guy, you kind of got to ride him out. And I think they looked at this game as not necessarily as a layup because the Seahawks had played the, nine, the Niners better in this last game. They played a pretty tight game against the Cowboys. I think they looked at this as something we needed to win to get right, and Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy to do it. Luckily for us, it wasn't the case.
1: No, it certainly wasn't. I mean, uh, I don't know. That's a. <laughs> I mean, I've been really sick before and I, the last thing I want to do is run around on a football field. (laughs) I mean, um, the other thing that uh, I want to ask you is, is Matt Patricia a good defensive coach? I mean, when he was the head coach for the lions, it seems like the team hated him and he got kind of run out of town with uh, the peasants with their torches and uh, pitchforks. And, you know, that 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 fourth quarter last two minute meltdown you know are the players playing for him is he call is he is he good is he really a i mean would you want him as a defensive coordinator on the seahawks
0: i don't like patriots assistant coaches that go out to become head coaches it's and you look at it when they've been with the tom brady bill belichick led Patriots they've done a great job because they've been able to get the players I think with this game in particular you really saw the effects of not having Darius Slay and starting a few younger guys on this defense because Keely Ringo local guy Georgia standout one of the biggest one of the biggest plays in the college football playoff pick six to seal the game this was a guy that I liked his athletic tools, but he was a little bit raw. So you're starting these guys that are a little bit raw in the secondary. And I think the key for the Seahawks is their time of possession in the second half. Luckily the Seahawks eked out of the first half with only giving up 10 points, but, that time of possession differential at one point was like five to 17 in the Mm -hmm. first half. And it started to turn in the second half where the Seahawks were keeping the ball a little bit longer. Your DBs, especially your outside corners and safeties aren't funneling in and out of the field, like your defensive linemen are. So these younger guys limited reps throughout the course of the year, I think played into that a little bit. I thought that the, especially early in the game, the Defense played pretty well for the Eagles as a whole, but I think that missing Slay was huge. A lot more was put on Bradbury, who's been a very good corner for this team. He didn't
1: show up for the game, he got he, 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 he got crud- not, like, he got you crud- also like a baby seal.
0: You also look at this before that last drive, the Eagles were sitting with 200 yards, 202 yards of total offensive given up through almost a full game. You got to finish out the games, though, and
1: you know, 92
0: this is going to talk- be a big talking point. You know, was this Bat Patricia or was it Sean Desai? I'm glad that I'm not in Philadelphia this week.
1: Oh, I know. They're the worst fans in the whole NFL. I, I just, Eagles fans just suck. They drive me nuts. You know, they're, they're just a bunch of loudmouth douchebags, drunk fools. And, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, some dude gets arrested for knocking out a horse, punching a horse like Mongo and blazing saddles with a cop on it. They have to grease up all the life poles because these maniacs want to climb up there. You know, other teams go and play in the stadium and they're winging D batteries at people and rolls of quarters. I mean, you know what? I have so much Schoenfreude Enjoying. I've I've been reading some of the Eagles uh, sports uh, articles after this game, and it's been fun because they're horrible fans. The East Coast, God, those that whole that little tiny part of the country with the with the Patriots, with the Eagles, and the Jets, 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 and the Giants. Both Jets and Giants haven't done anything in years, and they get they get all media attention because. They're from the biggest city in the country and uh, they're not worth anybody's time. And, and Eagles fans, they can suck it. I, I have no use for them.
0: Scott with stern words towards Eagle fan, but I will, I will say this, Pat McAfee came out on his show and said, Seattle is such a good sports town because it's the closest that he said in the States, to european soccer where people just show up and bleed for this team and i was driving home past the stadium before the game started the rain's starting to come down it's about 45 degrees and i was like this would not be the funnest game to sit outside and and especially no. with the slow start oh, if God. you're sitting there going oh man this suck but they didn't let up the, the fans stick around and they're, they're, I would say that we're less mean than some of the other ones. And well, I will say there's a difference between a fan of the team and uh, 12.
1: Okay. This brings up another include, question, if you will. You know, my wife made a good point after the Cowboys and 49ers stretch. And she's like, is Seattle fans too forgiving when there's lousy play? I mean, we don't. We don't need to scream and yell like Philly fans. And but I, are we too forgiving?
0: It's tough because you look at a multitude of factors. Where knowing where you're at in a process, you know, yep. when the Seahawks had the Legion of Boom, it was Super Bowl or bust. After that first season with Russell Wilson, they win the Super Bowl, go back, they don't do it again, and you saw a lot of people being upset with that. I think that with the mood that you're seeing with the professional sports teams, you've seen the Kraken make the playoffs and then kind of saunter back early in their career. There's a bunch of people. I I just wonder if there's not enough hate to go around because there's a lot of hate going to the Mariners right now and their lack of moves. But I think that the one thing is with, with the Seattle market, I see that when things are going right, the whole city gets behind those teams.
1: Oh, absolutely. When, when
0: they're not going right, it's whatever. I feel like there's a little bit of fair weather fandom. You've got your diehards that are there week in, week out, that will watch every minute of the good game and every minute of the bad game, and you will ride that up and down all the way. And there's other people that are like, oh, this game's not close. I, I'm going to go uh, go to my rooftop garden and, you know, sprout some alfalfa or something. But I think that it's tough because you don't have the fanatics like you do for the New York and that team where they're, they're just too loud. And I think well, there's a good Jets, balance in Seattle. Aren't Jets fans
1: the most pathetic fans in, in, in the NFL? I mean, they Pretty haven't close. done it they haven't done anything since Joe Namath. I mean, there was a point in time when uh, Ryan was coaching for them that they were making the playoffs, but they weren't back a back-to-back
0: to uh, AFC championships. I think.
1: Yeah. But I mean, they just, I don't know. I, I, I could care less about the jets. They're not interesting. Um, They're boring. And uh yeah, I, I, okay. I'm, I'm, the older I'm getting and I'm I'm going to be 54 here at the end of the month. I I'm trying to eliminate all the prejudices that I've been born with that I've been raised with and everything. But Eagles fans and Jet fans I I, I not can't let it go. I can't let it go. It's just,
0: it might be your new year's resolution but it's not going to last. I will fail. Long.
1: I will fail at that resolution for sure. So anyways. So um yeah, I all in all, I thought it was a it was a great game. It was fun to watch. It was the Pete games, the co- the competitiveness, the grit, the drive, and uh, the the three games before that. It was like it wasn't it wasn't that it it it, it was it was almost lackluster. like lackluster or they were expecting to lose the games. So, um, anyways, you had an interesting take on what to do with Jamal next year.
0: I think you can even factor it into the remainder of this year as well with Jamal Adams when he was in that career year he's a guy that plays very well in the box when he has to go into deep coverage it's not his forte i wouldn't be i wouldn't be opposed to the idea if in obvious passing downs, you would take Bobby Wagner off the field because you still saw a little bit in this game that covering that middle hole isn't his strong suit anymore. He's lost a half a step. He's been in the league for 10 years. I want to drop Jamal Adams and have him and Jordan Brooks flying around the middle, closing up those holes, because I think that's where he can be most impactful. Plus, it gives you the opportunity to keep Julian Love on the field a little bit more and keeping Spoon on the field when he's healthy. I think that being able to get creative in how you use Jamal Adams is key. Would he be slightly undersized for a middle linebacker? Of course he will. He's a safety. He's been a safety his whole career. But he's a bigger safety. I mean, oh, he's, for not, sure. he's, he's not a little guy. and He's kind of in that Cam Chancellor mode. Mold. And I think with him, too, is when you look at him flying from the secondary to get in the backfield and getting stonewalled by – an offensive lineman or running back or trying to make those plays. It's a little bit more pressure on his body and making those big collisions in the secondary at full speed, being able to take on a block at linebacker. If they decide to run a draw, isn't as violent necessarily as it is full speed. Cause that's what he goes full speed. So being yep. able to mix it up, I think could be a interesting way they could utilize him in a way that they haven't really done before. And when you saw Jordan Brooks go down in that game against the Cowboys and saw uh, Devin Bush play a little bit in that game, him being able to flash and kind of get in those windows, I think that's going to be better for Jamal because when you see him get in locked-in man coverage on a tight end downfield – it hasn't worked out super well for the Seahawks. So being able to have him be a more whole defender guarding a zone and just obliterating someone that comes in that area would remind me a lot of KJ Wright blasting Kyle use once a year.
1: Oh, well, what about that playoff game when KJ uh, knocked the snot out of uh, the? Um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm having a brain fart. The, the, the tight end that played for us for a while after he played for the saints.
0: Uh, oh, Jimmy Graham
1: yes I mean that rainy slimy game before the Super Bowl uh, you know I was in Mexico at the time and we were watching the game and it's like I'm glad I'm in Mexico watching this game it was the weather was miserable and they just smacked the snot out of it I mean KJ was all over them like a spider monkey it was just awesome um, but I don't want to revel too much in the past because you know those players have had their their time and I'm one thing I do like about a lot of the, you know, retired Seahawks players, they still
0: live here. And they're coming back now that Russ, especially the defensive guys, they've started flooding back since their Richard Bennett's come back. back.
1: Yeah. And I thought at the end of Michael Bennett and Sherman, they were just tired of uh, Pete, you know, weren't, were being disrespectful, putting their feet up, not paying attention in the meetings. But to see that they, it's almost like they recognize that, you know, that they were part of a special time and your career in the NFL or any professional sport is fleeting. And uh, that's why I hope for Jamal. I hope he gets healthy. I hope he gets his head straight. We owe him 16 and a half mil next year. He's a great player, graduate player, player, but, you know, this year, I don't know. What's going on with him in his head, but I wish the best for him and I hope he comes back and smacks the Titans around.
0: Yeah. And before we get into the Titans, the one thing with the Seahawks where you've seen them be a little up and down this year is they're a pretty young team when you look at it. Your quarterback room is on second contracts, your running back room, no one's on a second year, second contract. Two wide receivers are one one-and-a-half offensive linemen because you got Evan Brown and you've got Phil Haynes, who they signed to a one-year deal, one tight end in Will Disley. Your defensive line is littered with second contract guys, and then you've got Bobby Wagner, Quandre Diggs, Julian Love, and Jamal Adams. So you look at that, named off about 10 guys, 15 guys, maybe on a 53-man roster. There's a lot of youth on this team, and you're seeing some – some flourishes especially with spoon and his splash plays Boye Mafe throughout the course of this year jsn bobo getting his time to shine but it's really going to come down this stretch to you've got to win games to make the playoffs they're in yep. a spot where if they take care of business and win out they've got a shot and if the defense can play at near the level they played against Philadelphia, I think they've got a pretty good shot because I think that they can piece it together just enough. It's kind of like those nail biting years early in Russell Wilson's career where you sit there, you know, that you're never really out of the game. And then whoop de doo a little magic, presto, alakazam. There's a W on the board at the end of the game. And this is a game that really showcases that. Drew Locke back up for a few years, get shipped out of town <coughs> and, orchestrates a game-winning drive that nobody besides drew lock and probably geno smith thought that he could do
1: no no that was that was that was really exciting and and just to see his smiles and his enthusiasm you know you got to feel good for a young man because he's gonna he's gonna remember this game for the rest of his life oh it was it
0: was a special one
1: yeah and let's see if he can have some more coaching consistency in his career if he could uh you know um I mean, Rogers was on the bench for a while before he took over for Favre. You know, some of these these guys. Oh, uh, Mahomes, Alex Smith. You know, yeah. he followed him for a couple of years. Um, but I'm not counting Geno out too. I mean, he is older. But the thing is, is he hasn't played as much as so many other players. He hasn't been hit as much. And so, yeah, he might be 32. But he hasn't taken the hits Russ has taken in his career yep and i don't want to talk about russ and sean payton but that'd be a whole different episode (laughs) but real briefly how do you think we
0: did with the uh the russell wilson trade i think it's it turned out you know with russ kind of having a down year and then kind of resurging a little bit this year and doing just enough to win it looked like early career russ but i think that With the pieces that you got that are still contributing to this team, and Noah Fant, who a little bit of a down year compared to last year, and Drew Locke being able to go win you a game, but the draft picks that came from that turned into Boye Mafe. It turned into Spoon, uh, Spoon, and it also turned into I believe Derek Hall this year.
1: Yeah, so.
0: And you look at some of these guys, Boy Maffe's really emerged. He's a very yeah. good run defender. He can get after he can get after the quarterback as well, which we saw with the seven games in a row with the sack and spoon is looks to have the makings of a special player. And to get that, obviously quarterback is the most important position on a football field. If you don't have a good quarterback, it's very difficult to win games in the NFL. So even really when you do have a great quarterback, I mean, look at the chiefs right now, they've had their struggles this year and because their wide receiver rooms, a little light, you have to have a full complement. And I think that trading high on Russell Wilson and kind of the frustrations that you were seeing growing where usually it was the defense getting frustrated with Pete and Russ and how he was coddling him for a better term. Yeah. And, Being able to get out of that because you saw the frustrations coming and kind of hitting a short reset and being able to make the playoffs first year after and be in a position to make it again with a big infusion of youth, it's huge because that's what Pete Carroll does. He has his core group of veterans and he lets the youth play. When you look at the Legion of Boom, All those guys, when they were going to Super Bowls and making deep playoff runs, those guys were still in their first contract, just getting into their second. So he'll let the young guys play if he thinks that they're ready for it. And I think that you've seen that a lot with this group. There's a lot of guys that they have a lot of confidence in. And I think that you're going to see those struggles, those growing pains, as you will there's some confidence brewing in that room, even though they went through that four game skid and it seemed like Pete Carroll didn't think he knew the answers. One week can change everything in the NFL. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, look at the giants and uh, Eli Manning. All okay. those.
0: Oh, Tommy DeVito. Yeah. Right now.
1: <laughs> there you go. Wow.
0: Yeah. Let's the, talk about the Titans a little bit. You've got uh, Will Levis who was, Starting the last handful of games at quarterback He's in concussion protocol Doesn't look like he's going to be able to go Ryan Tannehill coming back You got Derrick Henry who's kind of The face of this franchise Had 16 carries For minimal yardage last week Their only real wide receiving threat Is DeAndre Hopkins Traylon Burks sometimes But their defense has been pretty stingy They've been playing a lot of close games Against good teams They beat the Dolphins a few weeks back. They've been playing a lot of these one score games. Granted, you look at Houston, who's been a little up and down, didn't have CJ Stroud in this last game and take the Titans out in overtime. But the Titans offense is not what scares me. It's their defense. They got a pick six by former UW alum, Elijah Bolden in that Mm -hmm. game. And they really just kind of fell off in the second half. It'll really be interesting to see. I think if you can control the run game, let it, if the game ends with Ryan Tannehill throwing for 400 yards and four TDs. Great. You won the game limit. Yeah. If you can, if you can limit the rushing attack to under a hundred yards and be competent in with your DBs, I think you come out on top because I think the Seahawks with a healthy Kenneth Walker, being able to sprinkle in Charbonneau. Geno Smith, the all indications are that he's back this week. He's going to be hungry to make that push. I think they can be multiple enough on offense to win this game and hopefully do it not by one score. I'd like to relax a little bit during yeah. the game.
1: Well, it'd be nice. I'd like to see a blowout. You know, real quick on Henry, he, there's two players he kind of reminds me of as a running back. Uh, One is Earl Campbell, who I remember watching when I was a young teenager. You know, the way he would put his helmet in the middle of guys' numbers and knock them five feet back. And another one for the Chiefs was Christian Okoya, the Nigerian nightmare. And, but the thing about both Campbell and, um, they didn't have long careers because, you know, it's physics they have all this mass and they have all this speed and they're running into other guys with mass and speed. Um, You know, there's that famous Earl Campbell hit. I forget who the linebacker was, but it just wrecked his career. He was actually a good linebacker, but it was a highlight reel with that old NFL music with the, you know, the NFL trombones. films. Yeah. And but I, I think his career was like three or four years. It, it's very hard for those big men to have a long career. Um,
0: and you've seen the injuries pile up a little bit more yeah. for Derrick Henry. Early in his career, he was splitting carries with uh, DeMarco Murray, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Former Cowboy goes over to the Titans, and then they get uh, Henry in the second round. And he's kind of their big explosive guy, and they're like, well, Next year we're just going to go with Henry mm-hmm. and just ride this thing out and they rode it all the way to an AFC championship game and it was largely on his back. He's been hampered by injuries a little bit more these last couple of years, but this team really goes as he goes. They have a losing record right now. He's not having the same type of year that he's had in years past and a lot of teams are really focusing on shut Henry down and make the rest of the offense beat you. And I think that's really coming back to bite them in the butt right now. They've got an intriguing young guy in Tajay Spears, who's a little bit, if you were to compare him, you would say that Charbonneau is kind of the Derrick Henry of ours, a very undersized, not as physically imposing uh, elite runner like Derrick Henry, but their big play explosive guy of the backfield is Spears. And he actually – didn't outpace Henry in carries, but did in yardage by a big chunk this last weekend against Houston. So limiting Derrick Henry really forces them to get creative and the Titans just feel like an old school team that doesn't want to get creative.
1: Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, coaching is important. One person real quick before we end, I want to give a shout out to on the Hawks was Williams. Um, he,
0: oh, big cat Leonard Williams
1: yeah he was just stuffing them up front and if he can stuff uh Derrick Henry you know from going up the middle making him pop to the edges where you know he the he extends the, speed. the play yeah um that would be good i really excited to have Reed and Williams side by side on on the defensive line even though our defense isn't highly ranked there's a lot of great pieces and like you said there's a lot of youth and, uh, once they get two, three years under their belt, then the game slows down and then they, they can use Mafei is a perfect example of that too. I, he's been kind of a mediocre player last year, you know, whatever, but something, you know, it's like the blinders are off of him and he's making plays every game. And I'm just really proud and happy for him. I, I hope he does well for many years.
0: Yeah. I think this also, you know, those, down defensive linemen are going to be key. And I'm going to say this is we paid a lot of money to Draymond Jones and Mario Edwards has also been a good player for us was a little bit splashier earlier this season. But this is a game where Draymond Jones needs to put his stamp on it. I'm ready to see it, you know, three years, 55 mil. I'm ready to see a Draymond Jones game where he can get after Tannehill, where he can – get there, just go nose to nose with Henry and stuff him in his tracks and get your buddies rallying around you to bring, to bring the big fella down. I think this is a game that Draymond Jones really needs to put his best foot forward. What about Jackson?
1: Jackson or or, Leonard? No, 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 no. I'm sorry, dude. Um, Our, our, we drafted him high a few years ago. He's a, on the edge.
0: Oh, uh, Taylor. Yes,
1: that's sorry. He's
0: been very boomer bust. It's going to be interesting to see because I have a feeling, granted, not watching really any Titans game this year, a lot of their stuff is going to be off of the play action and based around that running attack. So it's going to be interesting to see if Tannehill gets into some deeper drops, if he can use his speed and athleticism to get past this Titans offensive line to really go make some plays in the backfield. Will Levis, younger guy, got sacked seven times last week, and he's in concussion protocol. I would like to see the Seahawks get at least three tallied with Ryan Tannehill back there.
1: Good goal. Good goal. Well, uh, you, you brought me off the bench. Kane, I'm gunning for your job. You can have the Mariner stuff. I, I had battered fan syndrome for me. I, I remember seeing them play in the – Kingdom back in the 70s and uh, haven't done much. But, uh, Seahawks are very special to me. I remember being a little boy uh, and being at Merrymore Park, you know, taking place in a fun run. And uh, I saw Jim Zorn in the parking lot. Uh, and I, he was with his wife and his kids. And I, I went up to him and I I had a piece of paper and I said, Mr. Zorn, could I have your autograph? And he said, Oh yeah, absolutely. And I go, well, Can you give one to my brother too? And he said, Yeah, absolutely. So, and then other people started coming up and he's like, No, got to go. I, I, this is my family. This is my time. I you know appreciate you people, but I've been a Seahawks fan ever since their inception. I think nineteen seventy six. And in the eighties and nineties, there's been a lot of tough sledding yep a lot of tough sledding to watch but i am the guy that will watch the whole game regardless even if it frustrates me because i'm a true fan and i also want the sonics back
0: yeah as do i
1: and uh i'm not quite hooked on kraken yet but as they progress as a team i can see myself because i liked watching the thunderbirds play playing kent the, the <laughs> jv you know, these guys there has been, I like hockey, but not quite there with the, I'm not invested with the Kraken yet, but Seahawks, you can have me anytime,
0: coach. We'll be happy to have you. And I'd be happy to have you guys hop on social media and give me a little follow. You can find me, your boy, Coach Red on the real, at the real Coach Red on Twitter, Instagram at the real underscore Coach Red, TikTok at the real Coach Red, Also, hop on over to YouTube, search Kicking It with Coach Red. Like, subscribe, hit the bell notifications, leave a comment or two. And while you're at it, check out the podcast page at Coach Red Pod on Twitter and Insta. Follow us, follow us, follow us. Do it, freaking do it. And as always, stay fresh. Peeps. Stay fresh, peeps.
1: Peace. (laughs)